Hello, dreamers. This is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is the Course of Course, episode 65. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Steph. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this podcast because we've been doing a lot of work on special relationships, kind of understanding them a little more. And I've been delving deep into two sources of material that have become such an important part of my life. One of them we discussed in the last podcast. It's the three book series of The Way of Mastery. It is produced by and written by Jayam. And the other one is uh, Tom Carpenter material, which I have been so deep into lately. It's called A Dialogue on Awakening, Communion with the Christ. The reason why the Carpenter information is so fascinating to me, it's kind of like a question and answer session with Jesus. And I got to tell you, people, if you haven't had the opportunity to look into this, it is mind blowing and fascinating. And wow, it really does feel like Jesus. Jesus um, refers to the Course of Miracles in the same way that Jayam also refers to the Course of Miracles. So one of the things I'd like to tell everyone is sometimes, and this is really for me, I may get stuck on a certain author or a certain book series You know, and and you just get so immersed in it, it's everything, and you kind of forget there's this universe of material out there. And as soon as I started picking some of this other stuff up, my goodness, did it enrich me even more. God bless all of these amazing authors that are providing this material to us in many different areas. Steph, I'm going to kind of throw it back to you very quickly where we were talking the other day on special relationships and they're sort of everything in our ego mind, our ego world in third dimension and you and I have special relationships all around us, but we are currently in special relationships, which are the most common way that people experience them in a romantic sense. And we've been both having to learn a lot about ourselves through them. So I know that you had listened a bit to uh, Gary and City talk last week. For those of you who aren't quite sure what I mean by Gary and Cindy. It's Gary Renard and Cindy Renard. They have a twice monthly, I think, workshop, and it's through Patreon. So if you get a chance, you should really look into that. It's really amazing stuff. But also, Steph, you were talking about kind of looking into other material. And I was wondering if you can share with us briefly what your experience has been with special relationships lately and the kind of transformation that you've gone through. My employer was a special relationship. I was there for almost 23 years. So it was kind of like a marriage. I never was married. So, you know, there's ups and downs, good and bad, just like everything in duality. But I had a lot of emotion I had to process after my job ended, realizing, you know, that it's a special relationship and, you know, what are special relationships for? I think is just distraction. Anytime we're not in our Holy Spirit thought system and we're in the ego thought system, you know that there's going to be pain and suffering. So I think I just had to really look at all that and know that I was the creator for that whole experience, everything that went down and love is now there that has replaced the hate and the anger. I did a lot of work with it. I just feel like the world is a special relationship. Our body's a special relationship. We're born into special relationships. The whole, you know, world is a, is a special relationship. So when we can practice true forgiveness, 
by shifting our mind, then that can give us the peace, you know, and then the love can pour in. You know, I have this special relationship with a lovely gentleman. And I got to say, I've mentioned this before, although it's the most unconventional special relationship from a romantic perspective I've ever had. It's probably been the best one in terms of me being able to step back and say, okay, where are you in this? Because previously in special relationships, boyfriend relationships, it's always been about, oh, well, they're, you know, they're immature, they're wrong, they're trying to hurt me and that kind of stuff. And now I'm slowly moving into the space, the thought space that I kind of created this special relationship and this person in my experience to help me learn. And something happened last week. There were some travel complications and plans that were canceled. And anyway, the bottom line is there was an opportunity to fly to see uh, my special relationship. We live in different cities, which is even more bizarre because we've had a seven year relationship. I think two of them at least have been in different cities and there really hasn't been any change in our, in our relationship which is fascinating anyway, because usually you think of long distance relationships as, you know, more difficult or, or strained or whatever. But in this particular instance last week, I had the opportunity or I was provided the opportunity to fly to see him and he offered to pay for half the plane ticket, which now when I look at it, I thought, well, that's, it's pretty generous. Um, but I immediately went to the space of how dare he, I fly to him all the time and I spend all this money and the least he could do was provide the plane ticket. It was like a four days notice kind of thing. It was going to be slightly expensive. What I can say, and I'm really getting to the point, and I don't mean to inflate myself and make it seem like, oh, I'm so spiritual. But at least through this material, it helped me stop. After my initial reaction, which I'm still doing, I'm not yet able to pivot when something occurs to the the loving place in my heart, it takes a while. But that time of realization is, I mean, the window is closing a little more. I'm still not to that point where immediately I go to that loving place. There is a reaction that happens. So with my special relationship, I immediately started reacting, not to him, but kind of like in my own mind, like, you know, what's up with him that's so selfish this is ridiculous. Why do I have to always put this work out? All that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I have to stop and say, okay, I know intellectually that everything that happens in my special relationship or in my life is a manifestation of me. I created him. I created him in my experience. So why am I getting mad at something I, I created? It's like, if you don't like that, then, you know, maybe you should figure out what that is representing, kind of like reflecting back at me. So as I move forward in the course, it is helping. It absolutely is helping. I am also so super grateful to those who have gone before me, who have written material that allow me to use as a guide that I can always pick up in my hands and go, you know what? You're right, Jayam. That makes sense. One of the things we want to talk about today is Kind of like this this other material we really haven't delved into very much, the giant material, and at least for me, the Tom Carpenter material, because everything that we hear, everything that we read is certainly on a spiritual path. Much of this we've already seen and read before. We just weren't ready for it. We weren't ready to take it in. When we first met in this third dimension, we 
We're in a space at the ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. Edgar Casey material has a, a very sweet and loving place in our hearts because at the time, that's what made the most sense. I also really loved Jane Roberts, and she channeled Seth Speaks and the Seth material. That kind of information made, made me who I was from a foundation of becoming interested in this path. Also, I was interested in things like Marianne Williamson and Apex. Abe Hicks, exactly. Apex is a good one. And Shirley McLean. All that information was so great. As I move forward in the Janine existence, I feel like not only did they help me get to a certain part, but they allowed me or I allowed myself through their work to open up a little more and delve deeper. I think the material that we are touching now um, in the Janine Stephanie lifetimes, it's richer. It's richer and deeper. And it's not that the other stuff wasn't. It's just I am more open to really absorbing it. It doesn't mean I'm practicing it as well as I can. It's part of my journey and it's been a joy to get there. But this new material is so mind blowing for me that I'm so excited and so lucky to have a vehicle in which you and I can discuss this and maybe have other people hear what we're saying and going through. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was hoping to spend some time with my significant other and I was feeling a very deep, heavy, off energy, and I wasn't sure what that was. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like noticing it. And he's like reaching out and we're trying to figure things out. And then he mentioned something like he's afraid I'm going to fall in love with him and I'm going to want to marry him and spend my life with him. Like he was off on this whole story himself. and what I think actually was happening was that he could be falling in love with me <laughs> and was concerned about his own feelings and trying to figure that out. But we ended up spending the weekend together, uh, even though on Saturday morning when I woke up, I felt really heavy and I wasn't sure I wanted to go and I almost didn't. But something inside me just felt like, just go. And in the car, I was giving it over to the Holy Spirit and, you know, just asking for healing of the unconscious guilt that's coming out. And I don't know what anything is for. I'm the light of the world. I'm just going to go where you send me. And we ended up having a gorgeous, most beautiful weekend together. I don't know. I mean, I do love him. I, I told him that I, I, I love everyone. I use the word love all the time. <laughs> I just feel really uh, I feel good right now with where things are at between us. Um, it had been so many years since I had a relationship and it was because of Maria Felipe's book, you know, live your happy a couple years ago when I was investigating in myself, like what is love? Do I love myself? We're all the same love. We come from the same loving God and just really wondering how does love show up in the world? Can it show up in the world? If the world's not real and, and then all of a sudden, little Jay shows up a couple days later, and and then we've been together since. But there's been a lot of opportunity of realizing how the ego wants to use him as a weapon against me and how I can check myself. And I get lost for days, weeks, absorbed sometimes. Now it's a bit better because I've had more practice. But I feel like when the past thoughts come up 
about how things should be when you compare them to other relationships or fantasies from movies of how you think things should be. It gets really dangerous. I feel like the ego is always wanting us to judge everything and it's always based on the past. So that past is like stuck with me in this moment and I'm looking to the future to try and plan something and it's just like a big fakaka mess. So then I just have to pause, you know, stick my hand on my heart, just go within and just let it go. And I just feel like there's this constant ebb and flow of like the ego hooks me, the Holy Spirit reminds me, there's this little dance that's been going on. And I just, I feel grateful, really have a lot of gratitude that A Course in Miracles came through and these other materials have been coming through for us to help undo this false world. One of the things you shared with me that I thought was a really enlightening thing to say, you had mentioned that when you were having that conversation with your significant other, you had said, look, it's okay. I don't know how long I'm going to be in Los Angeles and I may move at some point and let's just really enjoy each other's company while we can. And I thought, I love the fact that you kind of gave him permission to be like, it's okay. It's cool. No worries. I do love you. We, we can love each other, but we don't have to like be cemented to one another. I really appreciated you sharing that with me because that's something that I need to kind of embrace in my current relationship. I think that when I try to think that I could change him or maneuver a situation by teasing him with something sexy that he might want, like manipulating, then that's where all the crazy happens. So when I can somehow just be in love no matter what's happening and not be attached, which is not easy, but it's getting a little better, then there's complete freedom. Like, I can just love you no matter what. It's just love reflecting back at me. It's me reflecting back to me. I'd like to read a passage real quick from the Tom Carpenter book, Dialogue on Awakening Communion with the Christ. This is from Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying. The other thing that happens is that within an intimate relationship, dependencies are built. And with dependency comes the accompanying fear as to what will happen if the dependency is no longer available to you. This would appear to complicate even further your ability to always extend the act of an uncompromising and unconditionally loving response to each and every situation that occurs. Jesus just said what you just said. That's impressive. I feel, um, you know, we get so used to depending, like whether we're children being born and we need food and, you know, our parents to drive us to school or whatever, like we, there's these expectations that get set up and it's those expectations that, put us in prison. I agree. I think we're constantly doing that to ourselves. Like we, we are obviously we're our biggest, our worst enemies when it comes to that. And we both know people who are sort of in special relationships. Let's just call marriages for the sake of the argument that are really unhappy because in some ways they're in a jail with bars that they created between themselves and their, their significant other. I know that you and I in our lifetime, I mean, we're, we're pretty advanced age wise now. I would like to say that we're a little more seasoned with our age. Although we've had relationships, we've been able to, I don't know if this is a correct word, but avoid marriage 
because I don't know if the conventional concept of marriage really worked for us. I know for me, the idea of it is a little too stifling. Like there's always been this spiritual aspect to me and to you, I think in in this particular lifetime that we're experiencing where we must have made some sort of broader conscious decision or subconscious spiritual decision to experience this particular lifetime, at least for now, uh, of not being in a, a marriage. Like maybe we didn't need it uh, or it may have hindered our ability to become more spiritual beings. I don't know. I just know, and I've told you this before, that I feel so grateful that at least in the Janine lifetime up to now, I have not had children and I've not had marriage. This is not saying that marriage or children are bad in any way. I just think for the Janine experience, I needed to be free of that for whatever reason. Yeah, it gives us more time and space to go within. I really believe at least you know, where my consciousness is now that not only am I grateful that I guess I've created this situation where it has provided me the opportunity to learn more and be more spiritual without the the more ego distraction of other things going on in my life. I also have come to grips with the fact that I had this special relationship I just talked about a few minutes ago when I was we were both in Los Angeles. And those of you who have been listening to this podcast, I moved to Texas two years ago, almost two years ago. Uh, willfully like I knew I was moving and moving away from that relationship and I think it really helped me and the reason why one of the main reasons why I moved is I needed to put that space there I needed space to kind of surround myself to really pay attention to my spiritual health and where I was from a spiritual being because like you um, in your previous rela- your previous relationship with your company your employer I have had some very challenging times with mine. Moving here has allowed me here, meaning Texas, has allowed me to spend a little more time working that out. I have talked previously about creating these work monsters, generally a detractor in my work experience, whether it be a boss or a coworker or whatever, where they were the ones that I would channel my uh, hate is too strong of a word, but, uh, you know, there's always a conflict. I was constantly creating conflict. And now I'm kind of hopefully passing through that that process and not really having those anymore because I'm able to understand and truly own the fact that whatever happens in the Janine experience is because of Janine. It's no one else. So we talked before about casting people and roles in our life and casting someone in the role of the detractor and the, the bad person and all that kind of stuff. It's I'm trying to really be a little more aware and conscious of the fact that I don't need that anymore. I don't need the conflict to be able to like uh, vault myself toward um, like the, the goal line and goal. And now I'm starting to understand that goals aren't really what I thought they were. Goals are very much an, an ego manifestation. If you don't mind, I do want to talk about goals for a second. And this is, again, is coming from Jesus. The question is from Tom Carpenter. Tom Carpenter is a channel is channeling Jesus in this book. His wife is actually asking the questions that Tom had written for her to ask Jesus while Tom is in the, the state of being able to channel. Here's the question that Tom is asking Jesus. I have been going through a transition in my life from being a very goal oriented career person to moving towards a new mission. 
what it really boils down to is that I don't want to do anything. I don't want more goals now. How do I handle this? Do I take my life like a puzzle and as the pieces come, put them in place? Or should I plan for a so-called mission? All right. Fair enough. I agree, Tom. So this is what Jesus says. You are developing a clear awareness of the futility of goals. This has not yet become a totally integrated conscious awareness, but it is something of which you are peripherally aware. It is this you sense that is frustrating you as you attempt to set further goals. The pattern that says to you that goals are quite valuable and that a person is measured by his ability to attain the goals he has set. So there is of necessity a conflict that arises in you. In opposition to this thinking, set a goal, and after you have set it, you recognize that it was not meaningful to you. You are then faced with a choice of either saying, I must carry out this goal, which I have now determined has no value to me, or I must judge myself as being of lesser quality because I have been unable or unwilling to attain this goal that I have set. As you can see, Both cases have been in opposition to what you're knowing is becoming. Setting goals focuses your attention on expectation. Expectation is one of the greatest barriers to being available to the clear recognition of the experience you are having at this very instant. Expectation is a tunnel that narrows the scope through which you see the experience being available or acceptable to you. I love what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you know, goal setting is an ego thing. It's basically saying, hey, I need to do this so I can achieve more, et cetera, et cetera. And what Jesus is saying is all you're doing is narrowing everything. You're basically saying, I have to do this and then this will happen. That was really helpful to me. You know, you and I are very similar. We're goal oriented. We're very much taskless space. What's the next task I need to do? How do I need to like get stuff done so I can show achievement in a certain day? It's like all that does is keep us away from who we really are and what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Setting us up for failure because we're never it's never going to turn out because it's the world. Right. And like, what do we really accomplish anyway? It just keeps it. I, I felt like for the last quarter of a century, I've been this hamster on a treadmill, just running in a circle. That's what it does. It just keeps us, keeps our mind focused outward instead of inward. For me, it's just the ego is constantly providing distraction and I can choose to not look at it, but I keep going, okay, ego, where are you leading me today? So it's a matter of saying, I acknowledge the fact that the ego is doing this and causing distractions and making it seem as though I only have value if I get things done. If I'm at work and I produce something and somebody says, Janine, that was really good. Somehow that makes me happy. And my ego is like, yay. (laughs) I'm at work to do what I can to make things better for me, for the human beings around me to assist in providing work that makes sense and pushes the needle forward in a loving way. We forget, I think, sometimes when we work in a work environment because a lot of our belief in value comes from if our boss appreciates us or if somebody says, oh, yeah, Janine, she's really good at X. 
then I'm like, oh, that's so great. But there are times when the boss is frustrated and, and challenged and starts, you know, lashing out. And it's got nothing to do with anybody. But I take that in personally. So now all of a sudden, because of this one person's belief or mistaken belief that I have worth or not worth, it affects me deeply. So my challenge lately has been to just stop. And I said this before, what would love do? How would love behave? And the reality is love behaves the same way, regardless of somebody says Janine is really good at what she's doing or Janine is not very good at what she's doing. Perfect. Those those two have no truth to them. The only truth is I, I am who I am and I love everybody. And, you know, let me just figure out how to make this better for each other. This came up. Um, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who is working as a contractor, uh, like a project management contractor for a big company. She was having some challenges with the people she was working with. And, you know, she's kind of going back and forth as a contractor in a bigger company. I've experienced this before. There's there's like two sides. There are what we would call the client, meaning the ones who are hiring a third party company to come in and do something that third party would be considered a vendor so in my experience i was the client i had a vendor company and people working for that vendor and simply because of the hierarchy of ego i had fallen into that same behavior pattern of treating the vendor as though they're less oh you're not working hard enough you're not giving us what we need very ego very masculine ego why didn't you do this? And like writing them, like, I need you to send me a status report at the end of the day. When I was talking to my friend who was going through this experience as the vendor, not the client, it gave me the opportunity to say, oh my gosh, you know, you're right. And it reminded me of how I behaved previously to this other company and a few of those other people. And I thought one of the things I'd really like to do now that I, I realized what I was doing, I'm, I'm, clearly in right mind now is uh, actually put here I go on my to-do list, which I still do that. I was going to write this uh, gentleman whose name is Dana and he's in Omaha. He was working this vendor company. And I thought I owe him. Uh, I really would like to send him a letter and, and just tell him that I really appreciated what he did. And, you know, I now understand that maybe the way I treated him was not optimal. And I hope he can give me the opportunity to like, change that perception with him because I definitely wouldn't want him to take that with him. I definitely don't want him to feel, not that he would, but any less or less important um, because of the way I may have behaved. So talking to her has really helped me. And the other thing that helped me too was relaying this to my significant other. He was also with me during that period. And I, I was saying that I thought he and I both behaved that way, that maybe we weren't understanding that in this particular instance, Dana is a human being. And we kept seeing the illusion of Dana being a representative of a company. And all Dana was doing was showing up just like we do every day and getting a paycheck and going home. And one of the things that is very important to me in a work environment, especially if people report to me, is I never, ever want them to have to take home with them after work any stress that I may provide to them or I may, you know, force them to feel, you know. And I was explaining to my significant other that I feel like we forgot that Dana 
had to go home that day. And I wouldn't want him to have to sit around the dining room table at dinner and his wife say, how was your day today? And him not feel happy and fulfilled and have to say, oh, well, I was dealing with a client and they're really not happy and I feel badly about that. The idea of that makes me sad. So when I was sharing that with my significant other, he he was definitely not seeing my position. He kind of felt like this is the way it should be. And, you know, he was a, a vendor and he didn't really care about us. And I said, well, you know, again, level confusion. What does us mean? I'm trying to take opportunity when I can on a daily basis now, which I hadn't done before, to say, okay, what did I just create here? What am I creating? I'm upset. So I created it. I know that I have extreme ownership on everything I'm experiencing. It's from me. So one of the things that I think Jayam talked about in the way of mastery, I can't remember which of the three books he mentioned it. Again, Jayam is channeling Jesus as well. It's one of the reasons why I'm deeply in love with both of these sources lately. And Jesus was talking about, you know, the reality is how we love ourselves is how we experience outside of us. Like everything happens within us. So you have these experiences and they come back at you. And let's just say they're big ones. Um, A big, let's just call it a forgiveness experience. Gary Renard talked about it. I think it was in Disappearance of the Universe, his first book, where Persa, who is Gary in the future, had a really big forgiveness opportunity toward the end of her particular lifetime as Persa. And what Jaim is saying is when this stuff comes up, when these big forgiveness opportunities come up, you got to bless them. You have to bless them because all they're doing is showing, hey, this is so awesome. Now I can really see the stuff that's coming up. And the more I get these, the more I can quickly release them. So instead of being afraid of them and going, oh, gosh, this is so terrible. It's like, thank you very much for that mirror. Now I can can process it. Move on. So I like the different ways of looking at things that these two authors are are providing to me lately. It's um, has shifted some stuff. It's just taking a while for me to absorb it all. But, man, I'm so grateful. One thing I'm thinking is that the course or these other materials, it's all about mind training. So we're we're born into this world with the ego mind. And thankfully, we've had space because we never got married and had kids to like really look at you know our inward uh, condition which the outside world is a reflection of our inward condition and also looking at uh, the course with the mind training so if we're born here like with sin thinking that we separated from God then we're trying to project this guilt that we have about it constantly at other people because it's too painful for us. And then we've got all these fears that come up. So it's kind of that past, present, future, sin, guilt, and fear timeline. And it's in that holy instant. It's in that moment of choosing the miracle, shifting our perception that we have freedom and peace and love. And it it really is a moment to moment mind training. It's a really good point. Exactly right. So much of our mind and the way we experience the world, at least for me, really was kind of random and chaotic. And, you know, it's taking me some while. We've talked about this before. It is a muscle and you got to keep flexing it all the time. Yeah. If we're going to learn French or play the guitar, we're going to have to take lessons and practice. 
So it's the same thing with undoing the false world and it's all we've ever known. So it really does take something big willingness. Yeah. Um, we talked last podcast about uh, Gary Renard's book, The Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other. One of the things that I want to talk about now is just a kind of shout out to the Gary Renard material as I'm seeing it through Tom Carpenter's material. In Gary's book, he talked about, among other things, the Jesus Lifetime. And, you know, Jesus was born to these very loving parents. Joseph was his father. And there's a quick passage here in the Tom Carpenter book about Jesus's relationship with his father, Joseph. This is Tom Carpenter. This is actually his wife asking for Tom to Jesus. This is what she's saying. I would like to know about your relationship with your earthly father, Joseph, and the being that he is now. And Jesus replied, my relationship with my father as I was in a physical body was an exceptional one. It was one of total acceptance. I'm sure you can recognize how difficult it would be if you had a child who did things that historically you've read that I did. It was not that difficult in our case. My father was indeed an open mind. An open mind readily absorbed what was happening, and it was not at all a shock to him. There were many things he did not understand, though. There were only very, very few which he found difficult to accept. It was to my vast benefit to have been in this environment of unconditional allowing. My preparation, my becoming aware of who I was, was enhanced by his loving presence. I presented many conflicts to the existing ideologies, and my father was a deeply religious person. It was to his great credit that he did not perceive the conflicts that I presented to the ideologies as being conflicts reflected of himself, of his role as a parent. He uniquely flowed, and he uniquely flows this day. Our relationship was not what you would consider to be closely personal as I approached the age of puberty. That was interesting. This was a result of my own struggles, my own efforts to find myself. And it left me less room, so to speak, for personal relationships. He was also quite aware of this. And while he did not know at that time, as I did not know what was to come, his faith was of such a nature that he trusted in an outcome which would be absolutely perfect for the two of us. I liked hearing his relationship with his father because we all go through that, right? There's always struggle. But I just wanted to highlight um, that Jesus wasn't this perfect being. He, he didn't come, you know, he wasn't born like, oh, my gosh, he's, he's our savior. He had to work at it. And Jesus talked about, I mean, Gary Renard talked about that, too, in his book with Jesus and Buddha. That, you know, it wasn't just, boom, this guy's enlightened. He had some travels and he had some things that he had to learn. What I also like about some of the stuff the Carpenter book and uh, the Jayam three book series talk about is Jesus has said over and over again that we're no different from Jesus. We don't have to go through all this. It's all in front of us. We are all enlightened and with God. It's just a matter of us like getting past our ego and understanding that we can just embrace it right now. We can embrace it right at this moment. We just have to believe it. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of landmark education when they would talk about our egos being meaning making machines and it knows no other way to be. And that's what this experience kind of is until we get some power in the mind training of the course. The ego will just take us right off on that little hamster wheel very happily at any second. 
So you, we really have to be vigilant for God and remember, like, I'm not a body. I am free. I hear the voice that God is calling me. And it is only this that I obey, you know, and just it's really a training. It absolutely is a training. And we talked last time about the Boston Course in Miracles conference. So hopefully people are aware or they can find materials if they're not able to go. You are going, Stephanie, so you're going to be kind of immersed in the teachings and the loving embrace of a lot of Course in Miracles teachers. So I'm looking forward to our next podcast where you can tell us all about it. I can't wait. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get to, I'm going to seek out Lisa Natoli and Bill Free and Corinne Zipko and C.A. Brooks and but Jackie Laura Jones is going and Maria's going. So we're just going to have a great time getting to meet some of the other teachers and the Teachers of God Foundation is trying to bring in all the different communities of the course so that we can, you know, wake up together and train and be teachers out in the world as living examples. It's going to be a very powerful experience. Just being around like-minded people is always a joy. Yeah, it reminds me of that TM experiment in Washington, D.C. in the 70s when they meditated and they could actually statistically see that crime went down. So when two or more gathered, you know, at this conference, we're going to freaking blow the roof off that place. <laughs> I can't wait. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening to us. And we can't wait to come back in a couple of weeks. And Stephanie will share her experiences with the Boston Course in Miracles Conference. And again, if you'd like to share any of your experiences with us, you can always reach us at thecourseofcourse.blogspot.com. Or on Facebook. Thanks, everyone.